When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry, I'll hang up and listen, I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome everybody to all hang up and listen brought to you by fatty beer company western new york's premier market and tap room with over seven with seven different western new york locations and over 300 beers to choose from what better place to go to to drown your saber sorrows than fatty beer live entertainment at all seven locations along with trivia seven days a week from 11 30 a.m till 10 30 and later and of course buffalo logo apparel buffalo's best spot for all your apparel buffalo sports apparel needs when it comes to the sabers bills horizons or bandits they have everything from hats shirts and hoodies make sure you go check them out at buffalo co on twitter and instagram at fatty beer on twitter and instagram as well uh you can check them out online uh, without further ado we're going to bring in the man the myth legend walt saber metrics um before we get started i've never been this guy never been this guy to ever do something like this like you see it in the stands you see, you see people, you know, maybe, you know, people that uh, go overboard, overreact, whatever it is. Um, and this year I was really excited because I have a co-host now, not this, not a shot against Cully, but he's always busy. I have a co-host that I'm excited about, consistent. He's always here, um, you know, as passionate as I am. Guy stays up, you know, works around his schedule, We're living on the West Coast to be on all these, you know, podcasts and post games with me, you know, there's a lot to be excited for me from a personal standpoint for this season, but I've gotten to this point. Oh boy. Oh it's no. Time. It's time. <laughs> it's time. Oh no. It's time to sell the team. You're not even going to cut the eyes out. You can't even no, see. I don't, Cause see what, what, what is the saying here? No evil. See no evil. I, I don't know. I don't want to see shit. It's just darkness. <laughs> sell the team guys. Hold on. We're getting into we're getting into Knicks. Out? I, I need eye holes. We're in Knicks fans, James Dolan territory. This is this is bad. Yeah, no. I can see you both, kind of. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. There's a there's a famous there's a famous TMZ sports clip of a Knicks fan saying sell the team in a very like polite manner to James Dolan a couple of years ago. And he goes, oh, you want me to sell the team? You really want me to sell the team? And he, like, points to his security, and he gets the guy thrown out immediately. Uh, that's that's <laughs> the type of situation we're in right now, apparently. 9-4. Nine, 9-4. Four. Nine, four. Nine times. 30 seconds in. You lost 9-4. to four. Hold on. I'm muffled. You lost 9-4. to four. <laughs> Nine times they scored. 9-4. to four. Oh my God! And the only reason it was four goals because they started playing on their heels because they knew they had it won. Yeah, you got you got the start you wanted, the start that they haven't gotten for seventy five percent of this season. Thirty seconds into the game, your leading scorer, who mind you is a defenseman, gets the first goal in your home building. It's the exact start you wanted for a blowout. I think any of us would reasonably have thought that after that goal, a nine to four result would have been in favor of the Sabers. Uh, given they were starting their their third goalie, they have the least amount of wins in the conference. They're actively tanking. They just traded 
Uh, it's a player that they put on waivers two weeks ago. It's it's a horrible, horrible team, largely. But they do have some good players, and it was just an absolute train wreck. Uh, yeah. Shout out train wreck sports. Uh, yeah. Walt, train wreck your sports. thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's definitely an interesting point of the season. I I thought like Sabers could maybe lose this one and things would really go south in terms of like fans' perception of this team. But I definitely did not expect them to drop a 9-4 game at home. I think it kind of like changes up really how the fans and maybe even how ownership views like the GM and coaches' safety. So I think at this point, the season's just slipping away with each loss and each game you don't win. Uh, at this point last year, they start out pretty slow, but they turned out like a nine-game win streak and then won like 11 of 15 games or something like that. And th- at this point, at the same point this season, uh, things are going the complete opposite way and it doesn't really look like they're getting better. So I don't really even know where to go with this team at this point or what to think about this season or their future seasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and- uh, I think, I think we're as, as uh, Dwayne has to sell the team uh, paper bag over his head. I don't think he's going to do that. So it's hard to even entertain that, that possibility. Uh, Mike Arrington, who we had on last night, put out an article today about how Terry still watches every game. He's as invested into the team as he is the Bills. His first love was hockey. It's the reason he bought the Sabres, blah, 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 blah. I do not think he's going to sell the team because at the end of the day, it is still profitable. And I and I do think that he's got a personal connection to it. But we're at the point that we've seen it three times in the league this year thus far. Edmonton, St. Louis, and Ottawa have all fired head coaches. And they've all they've all gotten a boost from it. Um, so you're at that point with Don Granado. He was a good development coach, put a lot of guys in good positions like Tage Thompson and Dalene to improve their games and become superstars. But is he just not cut out to be a legitimate NHL head coach for a team that probably should have been in a playoff position at this point? Um, and then you go down the list of, of of candidates that could come in right now. My first thought that comes to my mind is Seth Appert, the coach of the Americans, uh, because he knows a lot of the players. He knows the system. He could come in and be a stopgap. But then you look at the guys available. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux has done this Berube, before. Baby. A variety of di- different situations. Uh, Craig Berube, obviously, Stanley Cup winning head coach with the with the St. Louis Blues. Jordan Cairo had some really tough words to say about him or didn't say any words about him after he left. So there might have been a situation there. There's Gerard, Gerard Gallant. Uh, experienced head coach, uh, recently had success with the Knights and the Rangers. And then there's Jay Woodcroft, who had some, some success with the Oilers, but obviously that didn't go well. So a number of different candidates. I'm, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about that. I think they should hire whoever's coaching the Bisons, really. I mean, we, we already hired a soccer coach. I mean, I know I'm just fucking just sitting here talking shit and just with a bag over my head, but I'm just like so, so disappointed with the direction of this team right now and like i was just reading while you were talking some some comments from um from tage thompson after the game and i i stopped at this he said we're still a young team no you're not you, you, you age sure but a lot of you guys have been in the league now for three four five years like you're not a young team you, you have experience you all have close to 200 or more games underneath your belt in the nhl like the, the way you're coming out of the gate is inexcusable. It's not an excuse to – you can't sit there and say, oh, we're a young team, we, we have lessons to learn, this, that, and the other. Like, no, no. A lot of you guys have been in the league now for 200-plus games. Darlene, Thompson, uh, you, know, you know, Alex Tuck, um, just to name a couple. Like, there, there's no excuses for that. I don't want to hear about youth and age. Like, you know – you, you, you see you, you see guys uh, like Zach Benson who has no problem at all showing up every single game, whether it's hung, hunger or not or just wanting to stay in this lineup. He's arguably their best forward on a lot of nights, and that's that's not a good thing. You wish it was a good thing, but it's not a good thing. I'm sick and tired of hearing, like, oh, we're young, we're youth, we're learning. No, a lot of you guys have been in this league for 200 or more games. There, you have a lot of game, NHL games underneath your belt. That's fucking bullshit. I'm done with that. These same, the same verbiage and narrative and rhetoric we hear in these post game press conferences. I'm done with it. No, I'm done with the bag too. I'm done. It's getting <laughs> it was hot. a good run. It was a really good run. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's probably their next move for a coach, too, is I think it's someone that could take these players and just kind of motivate them and be a motivator. That's why I'm not really sure if they'll go right into Afford as an interim coach. I could see them if they move on from Granado, just like pretty much already having a deal behind the scenes with another coach and just going straight into that. I think it's something that I could definitely see, like ownership like Terry Pagula. I could definitely see him like watching these games right now and being like, oh, we need like a veteran voice in the room as a head coach and something like that. So I th- I don't know. If, if, like, there'll be any firings this season, unless things really continue to go south, but I feel like it's definitely trending that way, and it's something I didn't really imagine would already be, like, a discussion point at this point in the season, like, heading into it, like, just this past September. I mean, it's only it – hasn't even been Christmas yet. We're already talking about firing the coach and GM, so that kind of just shows how just poorly the season's been so far. Like, they've beaten the four current division leaders – in the NHL, one one in their own barn, which was like one of the few good home games they've played this season. And then Vegas, the Rangers, and the Bruins on the road. There's no excuse for nights like this if you're capable of playing that way in the games that nobody expects you to win. Like Mike Harrington said it last night, it does feel like a mental thing with this team. They either get down too quickly, which has happened most of the season, or even tonight, they get up and then they t- take their foot off the gas and they're not able to protect a lead. It's It really does feel mental because obviously they do have the players. We saw it last season. They have the talent. They have the skill. They have the ability. It's just not shining through in the, in the moments that they need it most against the worst team in the league. <laughs> they get absolutely boat raced in their own building. It's 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 honestly remarkable. Very I, reminiscent I, of when we played them last year when Tage had four goals in the first period. I think they had, had nine five. that game, right? He had five goals that game. Yeah, I think the Sabers did have nine in that game, though. They and that was did. Like, yeah, I think you might. Be and right. that was like one of a few like really really high scoring games they had last season, which I think like tipped the scales a little bit in terms of their offensive production, which is why like everybody thought like there was some offensive negative regression coming this season, which we've seen in the worst way possible. Their four goals tonight are above their average for the season. And obviously like four goals per game would be really good, but none of those goals even mattered, obviously. So yeah, it's really bad. I personally uh, would be in favor of a, of a change at this point. Um, I think it's time. Like you're, you're going on two and a half years with, with Granado after the firing of Kruger. And obviously that was rock bottom, but we're getting to a point where the expectations are not meeting the results. And you've seen the difference it's made with other teams. I, I would say the Oilers are the best example of a team that has, or at least used to have an offensive identity, and they started the season really poorly. And since that change, they've they've come into their own a little bit. So I think it's a good idea, whether it be any one of those five guys that I mentioned. Um, I think Seth, Seth Appert would be a good idea just in terms of like getting this team back to being fun and scoring goals and hopefully winning games like seven to four. Cause at this point that seems like the only way they can win. I just, I just don't want to like run into a situation like we did this past season and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I never really looked into it. Is his entire staff, the same staff that Ralph Kruger had, Like they didn't want out. They, they didn't, I don't think they went out and hired a different staff. I think they just kept the same Kruger staff, right? Matt Ellis was there with Kruger. Yeah. Uh, that Marty Wilford guy. I don't know how long he's been there. We just learned his name recently. Um, and then Dan Girardi, I think, came in a little bit after. I know Mike. He's Bales not even been... there. Let's be real. He, he shows yeah. up at practice and then goes home and sleeps yeah. on his lays on his couch during games. Mike Bale. Mike ba- Mike Bales was there with Kruger. I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know off the top of my head, but it's it's it doesn't seem like we've talked about Matt Ellis time and time again. But yeah, it doesn't seem like there were any super big ch- tangible changes once Don got there. Your thoughts, uh, Walt? Yeah, I'm just looking at them now. It looks like in Kruger's last year, they had Ellis, Girardi, Steve Smith listed as assistants. And I think Granado, the only carrier is Ellis. Granado hired Jason Christie and Marty Wilford. So I guess there was some change. But I mean, I kind of just think back to like during COVID where uh, Terry and Kim Pagula had that press conference kind of about how they're going to like be a little bit cheaper uh, with the Buffalo Sabres moving forward. 
And I thought the plan was kind of always to have like Granado and Adams just be like stopgap pieces while they just kind of try to become a normal hockey team again and try to get back to winning some games. I think they're probably a little bit surprised that like those are the guys that almost got them into the playoffs last season. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe decide to even move on from Adams as well. Like not fire him completely, but move him back into like his older role kind of as a president of the business side or maybe even hockey operations and kind of manage that department and bring in kind of like a GM. Just because I feel like I feel like Adams, he's just like that type of guy that's great at managing like a bunch of different people and like getting input from other people. But I think at the same time, it's almost beneficial to have a GM that has like their own identity that kind of wants to put their stamp on different moves and kind of wants to be bold with it at some times. I just don't think the Sabres really have that type of personality right now. I think he's more of just a a man manager. And I I think it could be something the Sabres explore, maybe not in season, but maybe in the off season, just because I think if they want to get serious about taking this next step, I think they have to get serious about the people they have in those positions of power. I mean, they've refused to hire a president of hockey operations for God knows how long. Yeah. Um, it's been suggested so many times. It's been talked about. And they tried to get away with Kevin Adams being a first-time GM. And he's made some good trades. Obviously, he's had some some really good draft picks. Uh, but the positions they've been in for being so bad, I mean, they they lucked into Zach Benson this year. Uh, yeah, they, there's no – Owen Power was, was gifted to them. Um, it, it, there's – they had no other option but to do that in those points. And I think the Jack Eichel deal like was pretty good, but at the same time, like you got into a dispute with your star player who then went on to probably should have won a con Smythe again. And <laughs> he won a Stanley cup again. And uh, you got out of it. Yeah. A couple good players, a couple good prospects, but at the same time, he was supposed to be the guy to lead this franchise to a Stanley cup after the tank here, after everything that we went through. So I saw a suggestion uh, earlier on Twitter about Jason Carmanos, uh, the current assistant GM, potentially being promoted to GM. I know he's had a lot of work with front offices in the past. I think previously in Pittsburgh before this, maybe that's a good idea for an interim situation this season. Kevin Adams and president of hockey operations. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I think any one of those guys who are previous NHL head coaches, no-nonsense guys that have had experience in these types of situations can come in and potentially give this team a prayer. Because right now, they need to play at like a 110-point pace the rest of the season. There's 49 games left. They need to win 31 or 32 of them to even have a shot to make the playoffs. So that's going to take a lot more than what they have now. I'm going to rip off some – you know, Brian Koziel is always uh, there with the post-game comments from the players and coach from Akposo. Not a lot of good for sure. It seemed like every mistake was costing us. It's not a fun night, especially when you're at home. That's a tough one. Also from Akposo in regards to the, the, the crowd booze. That's 12 years for them for sure. Not all of that's on us. That's a lot of frustration, and it's understandable. As a group, we bear some of that. Some of that? Some. Some it, it, like listen tonight wasn't a situation where they were that much better. That was lack of effort, lack of desire, lack of uh, energy, lack of a lot of things. It wasn't a lack of skill. It's not like you guys have that less, much less skill in the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was lack of wanting to win, or as Shorzy would say, you gotta fucking hate to lose more than you love to win. And there's none of that out there tonight. None of it. So uh, saying that, um, also from Akposo, I felt like when the mistakes are coming at you like that, you just go deeper and deeper. We played like a young team. We tried shut up. We try. We tried to make things happen when they when they weren't there. Akposo, we got to find it. It's not an easy road that we've made our, to, made for ourselves. It seems like collectively we're a bit of a sophomore slump. <laughs> sophomore slump. What's uh? Well, I mean, I, I would say senior slump, given that the out of given that the, uh, the drought is twelve years, right? So twelve years is cool. We're in a senior slump, Kyle. 
My favorite one, Tejan, what, what happened in the second period, quote, I don't know. <laughs> end, end quote. <laughs> I don't know. I actually, I really respect that answer. That's, that's a good answer. I don't know. Who the fuck knows what happened? <laughs> God. Oh. Well, I it's like, crazy I, at this point. I mean. No, seriously. I, like, How many yeah. times have we hit rock bottom? There's so I feel like they're acting like last season too was kind of like they finally made it and they didn't even make it to the playoffs, but they're like acting like yeah, like that season like buys them like five years of the fans' trust and like <laughs> willingness to build. But I mean, they literally were a below average team last year. They didn't make it to the playoffs. <laughs> Half the teams in the NHL make it to the playoffs. Yeah. I don't gotcha. know. I, I I just want to. I'm I'm looking up. I'm, Keep on going. I want to look something up here. I, I mean, just want to piggyback like, off that out, like, young team uh, I, comment. I, I don't feel the same way about Granado as I did about Ralph Kruger. I do think that in certain in certain facets that Don Granado is a capable hockey coach. I think he's obviously like his background is development. As, we, as we've talked about, he's really good with young players. Guys buy in. Guys really like him. I think that was the exact opposite is Ralph Kruger. Ralph Kruger <laughs> like bottled up a team Europe team in the world cup of hockey and got them to the final. And he was pretty good with an Oilers team with Taylor Hall back in 2012. Like he was not qualified to be an NHL head coach. And I think for a certain team, Don Granado was especially taking over for the shit show that was Ralph Kruger. And I like itch the guy. I wish the guy no ill will whatsoever. Like I've stumped for him many, many times on the show. And even in the past three years, like Donnie meatballs and, the vibe that it was for a little bit was really good. But for this team right now, with the expectations that they have, with the drought that's looming over this franchise, he might not be the right guy. And given the fact that Kevin Adams did absolutely nothing this summer, both of those together created the situation along with, yeah, it's on the players too. They're not producing. They're not scoring nearly as much as they did last season. So it's a three-pronged problem. But as we saw with Ken Dorsey, obviously the NHL is much different than the NFL. Sometimes you need to do something to light a spark. We see it all the time in so many different sports leagues that when you fire a coach, it does light a fire under these guys' asses. And especially for guys like Tage and even Jordan Greenway and guys that have played for Donnie before uh, he was with the Sabres. And even Ocposo, like he's been playing well recently. They will take that personally and they'll they'll – feel like it was their fault because it largely is. But it, I would, I would, I honestly hope I wake up to a notification tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. West Coast time that the Sabres fired Granato. I, I do think it's time. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with head coaches in the NHL is like, I think Granato's like the eighth or ninth longest tenured coach. Like, most coaches don't last that long. Even like a lot of the past cup champions, like Jar Gallant was in Vegas, what, like four years ago? Vegas wins a cup with a different coach. I mean, there's a lot of musical chairs. I mean, Boston gets a new coach the last few years. The Rangers are all top teams in the league. I I don't really think firing Granado would be like, oh, this guy was awful. He's like the worst thing ever happened. It would just kind of be like a refresh type of move. Like, I don't really think he's earned that Lindy Ruff, like let him battle through the tough years and he can maybe work his way out because he led us to the cup and playoff runs before. He's still a relatively new coach. I think he's going to do great wherever he goes. I kind of wish they still were able to like just keep him on board as an assistant just because I think he has a great hockey mind, is a great at developing players. Uh, I think he'd even make like a great college hockey coach somewhere if he lands on a top program. I think he'd turn like a hockey school into a dynasty. Program. Yeah. I mean, he's just great at developing young players, but yeah, like you said, there's a lot of movement in NHL coaches, and it's, sometimes it's just time for a change to – get a spark with this group and I don't think the Sabres could salvage this season necessarily in terms of making it to the playoffs but I think they can salvage it by just not going on an awful run and like potentially finishing in last place but kind of like what they did in 2021 I think that season probably set the Sabres back a few additional seasons and I just don't think they could afford I mean, to have we, another did, one of those did we tank for Celebrini like is that where we're at right now <laughs> 
We, we're close to it. Closer we than the playoffs. Do we celebrate Celebrini? Celebrate Celebrini. That's not I mean, it could be what they need. I mean, if they're able to get like an elite number one center, honestly, that's probably the only thing that could save this team. Sounds great. I'm just going over um, the numbers I was looking for. So to piggyback off that comment from Tage that we're a young team and to piggyback off my comment earlier, Dylan Cousins' career, 231 games played. Casey Middlestat, 309 games played. Tage Thompson, 324 games played. Alex Tuck, 404 games played. Rasmus Dahlin, 386. Matias Samuelson on the lower side because of injury, 137. J.J. Paterka, 111, and Owen Power, 119. I just didn't feel like going through the list. I don't want to fucking hear shit, especially from these players that are locked up here until 2013 and beyond about being a young hockey team anymore. Absolutely not. No, no more of that. I'm tired of hearing it. You guys have been collectively just between the top four that I mentioned in this league for twelve, almost 1,200 games. I don't want to hear about youth anymore. You have plenty of experience playing in this league and playing in the NHL. I don't want to hear that garbage anymore. It's time to produce. And if you can't produce, you shouldn't be on this hockey team or find at least somebody who's going to get the right, the message across to him anymore. Cause we talked about it with Mike Harrington yesterday. And I know like Mike takes a lot of shit and, you know, maybe some of it's deserved, maybe some of it's not, but we talked in depth about the message. Is it being received? And if it's not being received, is it on the coaches and the players, a combination of both? I mean, we saw what, to your point with Walt, what you said, Don was able to get out of these players and develop these players last season. It seems like that message has really grown stale. And to your point, Connor, I genuinely think it's time for a new messenger. I, I just don't know. There's You can't talk to me about youth anymore. Uh, yeah, sure, they're young. But look at all that experience you have just between Cousins, Middlestat, uh, Tuck, and Tage. 1,200 games between the four of them. I don't want to hear about youth anymore. No. You have plenty of experience to get this team over the hump and show up from puck drop. It's not an issue of talent. It's an issue of showing up consistently. You showed up for the first 30 seconds. You got on your heels from a goofy goal off the ref skate, and then you just didn't produce a shot for the next 12 minutes. And then you just went into a shell for the next the, the, the following 20, where in the second period, you, you uh, what, what did UPL give up at the first three shots he faced after Levi came out? Yeah, it was, I was even say that. Like, this is the type of situation they put UPL in that I like worry about him going forward because he was yeah. on a roll because he was confident, because he was consistent, he was getting good starts, and he was generally getting good defensive play as they've largely been better this season than they were last season, if not only a slight bit better. But Putting him into a situation like that where he was cold, he's coming off an illness, hasn't played that much recently, that is potentially a detrimental thing for a goalie yeah. in, in their confidence, especially against a team like Columbus. Like imagine against a, against a team like the Bruins or the Rangers coming up in the next two weeks. Like they play better against the best teams in the league for some godforsaken reason. But putting your goalies in that situation is really, really tough. Um, Granado's talking as we speak, and uh, he says on his job status – my concern is on making this group better tomorrow. It was my concern on day one. So he doesn't – obviously, he has to say that. But uh, it doesn't seem like he's particularly uh, outwardly concerned at the moment. So I guess we'll see. If we wake up and nothing happens, you play the Leafs at home on Thursday, and you could get run out of the building again. And if you, and if you do, where's the tipping point? Like, where is the tipping point here? I honestly, like – They'll probably win five to two on Thursday and and they'll fool us again. Like this has happened the entire year. We're 30, gosh, how many games? We're 33 games into the season and they've done this so many times. How many times have we said this? How many times have we gone on here after losses to horrible teams and then they come back on Friday night and beat the, beat the Golden Knights five to two and thoroughly outplay them? Like this cannot be the standard. This level of inconsistency, it's its honestly insane. And for us as fans, they're they are they are gaslighting us is what they're doing. Yeah. They're making us feel like it's we're crazy. It's such a toxic relationship, man. Yeah, they're really making is. us feel like we're crazy given the level of inconsistency and how well they play on certain nights and then have nights like tonight. So I think that overarching theme is that, like, 
You got to make a change. Um, you have to make a change. Just going to ask you guys real quick. We set a record today t- today for uh, comments in the chat. Over, under, 100. Over. Yeah, I go over. Over, under, 120. Uh, it's, I mean, the reason you're asking it, I'm saying over. <laughs> yeah, yeah over. We're, we're at over 160 comments in the chat. I'm going to yeah, apologize. I'm going to apologize right now. Please we're do not, not run gonna get to you all. All. <laughs> We're just not going to get to you all. We're going to throw up the more relevant ones. I apologize to you guys straight up right now. Um, there's no chance in how – it's continuing. I'm watching the number go up as I'm talking. It's gone up six since, since I first asked the question. This is, this I'm is not going to get all these comments. This but, is therapy for all of us. Yeah, it is. This is this is the best kind of therapy. This is why I do this. You know, I just wish more so often it was for a win and not just a devastating, embarrassing loss to a team that earlier this season – was benching players that they just got done paying eight year contracts to. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know you know, a team that at the start of the off season had Mike Babcock as a head coach. They fire him. They bring in the new guy. I forget his name. And you know, they've been in just in disarray for most of the season. And then you see Ottawa fire Smith yesterday, a team that, we can relate to a lot going into the season because there were very high expectations for both us and Ottawa and things have just gone horribly wrong. And you wonder, you know, does Buffalo follow suit? I, I think they should. Um, you know, I, I, I genuinely think Don Granado should not be behind the, behind the bench against Toronto uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, I think, I mean, Toronto, I, I just don't think that's a team the Sabres would want to be playing when they're struggling. Especially knowing that it's probably going to be a sold-out arena with all Toronto fans. And they play quick and fast. Once they get that momentum going, I mean, they're playing hot right now. That's another game where the Sabres could easily drop 9, 10 goals against a hot Leafs team. Yeah, right. That's the thing. Like, who, do you, who do you start? Do you start Comrie? Like, Maybe. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think tonight was on Levi. I, obviously, like I think he wants that was a goofy goal off the end boards. Connor, yeah, me, and you have both. I think he wants a couple of them back, but at the same time, the defensive coverage was was horrible. Off. Um, Matias Samuelson looks like a different player. Like for all the praise he got for their record with him and without him last year, and how much better it was <laughs> with him in the lineup and being a shutdown defender, he has no idea what he's doing in front of the net. He looks like Rasmus Ristolainen at his worst which is really saying something. And given the Philly connection, I feel like that is pretty apropos in this situation. I, uh, I cannot believe what I'm watching from his perspective. And I mean, the rest of the defense, obviously they, they benched Ryan Johnson tonight, who of course hasn't been perfect, but he's been largely one of your best defenders. And he's at least been a positive player from a goals for expected and a goals against expected chair. I, they're making, Insane lineup decisions. Of course, like you didn't want to rush Jack Quinn back into it, but you didn't put him on the line with the two guys that he's had the most chemistry with out of his career. If he's 100% and he says he's 100%, why do you not put him with the guys that he connected with the best all of last year and the year before, or even parts of the year before? It doesn't make sense to me. You put him with Tyson Jost and Victor Olison, who I guess has played better recently, but at the same time, the ceiling is not nearly as high as it would be with yeah. the other line. So – yeah, and, and we've, we've talked about it all year long. Eric Johnson's still in the lineup almost nightly. Uh, Kyle Post is on the second power play. It's it's borderline asinine with some of the decisions that they've made this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you do? If, uh, if this was a Friday night and we didn't have to work tomorrow, I would say we should take a shot for every time in the chat some form of fire Granado or fire Adams. Is being said, I can promise <laughs> you, we would all go to the hospital. Hammered. We would all, <laughs> we would all be after our stomachs pumped. Literally, it's just. I, it's like I know how many times have we done this? This is probably the seventh time in the past thirteen years that we've oh fire Housley, fire Granado, uh, fire Kruger, fire Dan Bilesma. Dan Bilesma feels like it was twenty years ago. At this <laughs> point. And it and it and it feels and it feels like easy as fans to just keep doing that and like, Oh, the next guy will figure it out. The next guy will figure it out. But if they're not producing and you have these expectations, what else are we supposed to do? I don't blame, you know, I used to be, you know, pretty hard on people who sold their tickets to Toronto fans. 
sell them to the Toronto fans, man. <laughs> sell them. Get yeah, every wow. penny you can. If they're willing to pay you $300 for a 100-level ticket, absolutely oh, do it. They've, do uh... it. They've broken the number one leaf hater. That's how bad this. I is. Don't, I honestly, Phil. <laughs> I want if Granados, especially if Granados, still there on Thursday, yeah. fill that fucking arena with blue and white jerseys. I swear, I want it to be a, a, a literally a National Hockey League embarrassment for the Buffalo Sabers well, because I mean, I'm uh, just sick of like it. I said, they'll probably the they'll probably play well. They'll probably play well. Win five to one. Yeah. I, I mean, I that's know. almost. Almost a game you want Eichel for. So I remember Eichel in those uh, games where the Leafs fans would take over, would just He'd absolutely go off and play like the best hockey of his career. So maybe like someone on the Sabres could activate that Eichel level. But yeah, it's it it can the, definitely get real ugly. The craziest thing is that the player I would think would be most likely to do that in that game would be Zach Benson. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's your 18-year-old draft pick from three months ago. You have a huge problem when that guy <laughs> on a lot of nights is your best player. Like, yeah, you have a lot of issues. It's so he bizarre. plays like the most mature game too. I mean, he shows up consistently. Plays like probably with the most effort in the defensive end of the ice. And this guy was taking high school classes like six months ago. Literally, literally. Yeah, like, that's not an exaggeration. He was. Just like just, just like Matt Ellis was coaching 13U the mo- the day he got a phone call asking if he wanted to be an assistant coach of an NHL hockey team. Like, sure, why not? I'm in. If Matt Ellis has any hair left by the time Thursday rolls around, like I I'd be I'd be shocked. That that hair that hairline is receding rapidly. We don't need to get into personal insults here. That's my bad. This guy, Pablo Barosa, I don't know if that's your real name or not, uh seems suspicious. But I already own my share of three of two season tickets. Like I said, brown paper bag Thursday in section one eleven. I, I I'm I'm gonna be looking for you, bud. Pablo, I'm gonna <laughs> be looking for you. We should go to the Key Bank Center and get a picket line going. Show how mad we are as fans. That actually <laughs> happened. Remember that after the phone call, there was oh like yeah, a rally. I forgot about that. Like throughout throughout the day, I was told there was anywhere between eight hundred to a thousand fans that showed up over the extensive amount of time they were down there. After what call was the phone call? The WGR. After, after your after your call? Yeah, there was there, there was a there was a oh. rally set up. You there started was a, rally a movement. Set up in the plaza, huh? You started a movement. Yeah, it, it, it. The only thing was, it was in the middle of winter, um, and nobody wanted to stand out in the cold. I mean, like I mean right do now. we do we start a union as Sabres fans to to we have our start a union. that's a good to idea have our, to have our rights protected somehow? Or just go full Green Bay Packers situation. Yeah. Try, to, try to make it so that we have like a public share of the team and it being a, a publicly traded company. Um, yeah, you could literally run Twitter polls with like running this team on who we should sign, who we shouldn't sign, who we should trade and probably be better run than what the Sabres have given us the past few years. With, without, without question. Yeah, like a good point here from Gargalon. I'm convinced they do not listen to Sam Ventura. His numbers scream, play Ryan Johnson with dolls, but they actually bench him. It's, 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 Chad put out, Chad Demonics put out a great chart today. Just Ryan Johnson with anyone is, has been a positive player. And it's not even that small of a sample size. I think it's it's been, I think, like over 300 minutes that he's been on the ice that he's he's been a positive defender for this team. Which is saying something for this franchise that they actually have a positive defender at both ends of the ice. Yeah. Uh, keep it coming with the comments. Uh, we got some new faces in here. Dylan Baker, you're always in there, Gar, Kevin. But uh, again, this is why I do this. Um, I mean, even if in one of my things too is you don't really have any excuses. I mean, you got Quinn back tonight. Whether he's 100% or not, you got that guy back. And whether he's 100% or not, he still has an elite shot in the, in the league. Like, you know, you're missing Greenway, yeah. You're missing Skinner, yeah. And they're important parts of your team. But in terms of, like, being 100% the team that you're supposed to have on the ice, this is about as close as we've been since opening night. And to go out there on a few nights rest and let up nine goals, just, again, look like you don't even want to be there. Like, like almost like the Cowboys against the Bills. Like, and not taking anything away from the Buffalo Bills, but the Cowboys didn't even look like they wanted to be out there. 
Like, and same thing, the same thing with, with the Sabres tonight. They look like want to be there. Yeah, I mean, like, they, they blame the weather. Like, it's the yeah. easy – they blame the refs and the weather, and that's the easy excuse in the book. Just like the Sabres are saying they're they're blaming their youth and they're blaming their uh, inconsistency, inconsistency and lack of focus. And they're saying, like, oh, like, we're Don's, Don's not out there playing. We're the ones that are playing. Then blame yourselves. Then, what, like, what else is there to do at this point? Here you go. Who the fuck there you is go. <laughs> Who the fuck is Marty Wolford anyway? I, I forgot to do my homework. I forgot to uh, figure out what his coaching path to the NHL was. That's my bad. I'm going to try to figure that out. I don't know. I, I quit buying tickets if I lived in Buffalo, but I'm not in KC. Um, change up the lineup. Sidok, Poso, Krebs, Olsen. Bring up Kuli and someone plays. So- like, honestly, like, if you want to put fans in the seats at this point, like, you might as well start up bringing up guys like Kuli. Like, you know, well, he's, he's, he's in, he's in Sweden now for the world junior. Oh, that's yes, right. The world champion. Oh well, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Some yeah. Point, and, like, and in January when they're probably really out of it, then yeah, maybe they can start doing that. But yeah, yeah I, I don't think know. They're, just... they're going to have a hard time. I feel like selling any tickets the rest of this year. I feel like most people probably just like almost protest like going to games. Like it's going to, tennis is going to be brutal. Yeah. And then Mike said it last night that presents like a really really tough financial situation for them that they were probably banking on the building being full for most of 2024 leading up to a potential playoff push. And now they're going to get half or maybe even less than that of the revenue that they were projecting for, for a franchise that's already not making money and doesn't have the money to improve the arena after 13 years of mediocrity or even worse. Like that is a really, really detrimental thing to happen to this franchise. And you, and you were banking on the exact same team as last year doing that with a 21-year-old goalie. It's not his fault, but they just yeah. they they didn't do enough, and we're and we're seeing it on an every other night basis. Yeah, three and, I, 13 and twenty. They're thirteen and twenty right now. Thirteen, seventeen, and three. Oh my god, man! Oh my god! You win seven games, and then you're you win you go on a seven game win streak, then you're back to five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a here's a question, Dutch Junior. Are we just not actually good? Was last year just an outlier? I mean, I think you have a lot of talent on this team. I just they're not playing good. Anymore. Yeah, they're huh? not playing good. They're not playing to their yeah, potential. I, I, Thompson showed he could be an NHL superstar. He had an unfortunate injury, but even before that, he wasn't producing at the rate he was. Dylan Cousins has taken a massive step back. Um, Jeff Skinner, obviously, he's been hurt too. Uh, Alex Tuck has been hurt. Jordan Greenway's been hurt. And those are all like seemingly freak injuries too. Like how many times has Nathan McKinnon thrown a hit like that in his career against Jeff Skinner the other night? Like that is a freak injury. And Jeff Skinner has largely not been hurt his entire career. Like it's a lot of bad luck, but it's also a lot of regression and a lot of, yeah, I mean, just snake bitten, to be honest. It's, it's, Really unfortunate. In yeah, 2011, in 2011, Terry Pagula said the, the the goal of this franchise is to win a Stanley Cup, and he called us hockey heaven. That's 2023, brutal. getting ready to head into 2024, zero playoff games. The arena is probably the worst in the league, and that's saying a lot considering there's an NHL team playing in a 5,000 seat college arena right now. I've heard, I've heard that place is great, by the way. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that too. Um, the fan experience is shot. Um, I actually sat in a seat. Um, which game was it? Uh, the last Goathead game, uh, where Levi played. Uh, I had a two by four for an armrest. Not kidding. <laughs> it was painted blue. It was a two by four. A hundred percent two by four. You don't. You so there was that, that. You don't think that was like some like symbolism of grit, maybe? That they were trying to, <laughs> to, to sandpaper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Just we like need another rock. Scratch your arms up as you're as you're celebrating. Oh, yeah, I God. mean those seats are like that's one thing I want to bring up. The seats at the arena are absolutely like disgusting and yeah, unbelievable. Those are the seats of like an NHL venue. Dude, I, I and I've told this story on this show and I'll keep telling it. I, I go to check every start every season to see if that seat is still there if it's been cleaned off. 10 years, I mean, it might have been almost 10 years ago. I was at a game with my cousin. We're sharing nachos. 
double cheese. And that, that those plastic things are flimsy. Snaps. The cheese goes all over the guy in front of us. And But luckily, he was wearing like a leather jacket. So it wiped off pretty easily and didn't stain anything. But a lot of it got on the side of the seat. That cheese is still fucking caked onto that seat this day. That is a fact, bro. That is a fact. Worst arena in the league. Worst arena. Like, if you're it's not going to care about the fan experience, if you're not going to care about how you take care of your fans, you just can't improve concessions by a little bit, but then also jack up prices on said concessions and think the problem is fixed. No. like It's crazy because, like, what amount of money would Terry have to put into the arena for it to be, like, even an average NHL arena? I'm thinking, like, I don't know, $20 million? Less? At least. I mean, they, I don't even know how much replacing all the seats would cost, but I think those are like the same seats they had since the arena was open. Like, they're No, yeah, they like, are. They 100% are. Yeah. Let's, let's say it's $50 million. That's like a drop in the bucket for Terry Bagula. That's like nothing he would even sneeze at. And I guess apparently he just refuses to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's I just think- like even like the concourses, like you still see like the cracks in they, the yeah, there's cracks everywhere. Even the signage, it's still like the turd burger, like jersey font and like navy, silver, <laughs> gold, like signage. Like they haven't worn those jerseys in like eight years and Honestly, they haven't they changed should, the they, signage. They should bring them back. They should bring them back and, and, and go out there with them all night and see what happens. I bet I, I bet they win that game. I do. Yeah. Definition of a toxic relationship. Yeah. I Again, it is. And. I, we just keep coming back for more. We keep coming back. We keep coming back. We keep engaging. We keep engaging. And it just sucks, man, because it's like I've been posting again. You know, I still will, too. Begrudgingly, I will. But, I like, you post the, the these videos from games back in, like, the 99 finals, you know, back when Timmy Conley was on the team and just the electricity in that fucking building. And it's so true. Winning can fix everything. Winning can fix everything. And you know what? When I made that phone call, like, we it was the lowest of the low I felt for the franchise. Like, it was just so bad. It was so bad. You, you looked around you at the arena, and you really took it all in. Like, you can only handle so much of Sabretooth hitting a fucking drum, let's go Buffalo, and think that's a good fan experience. You, you look at the conditions you're sitting in, how cramped you are next to the, per, the person next to you, just like – in-game announcers, dilemmas and drama away from the ice, whether it was with Russ Brandon or, you know, what, however, whatever you want to list, just always, never being in the news for good things. And you go back and you watch those fucking videos, man. It's just like, how have we fallen this far? How has it gotten this bad? How has this team not been, like, realistically, the best owner this team ever had, if you don't want, like, was probably Galasano. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, 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 not best owner we had, but last good owner we had, because I'm not even going to talk about the Pagulas, but like, you know, I feel like they almost like lucked into a good team because they, you know, they, they drafted a bunch of high uh, speed players. And then the, the rule changes happened during the lockout and the game was built for those players. And then you go out and you get a guy like Drury and Breer, who honestly were trending downward rather than up with where they were in their careers. And they, again, this is before the rule changes when you went out and got these players and then the rule changes happened and everything just sort of clicked together and everything was so much fun. 10,000 fans at party in the Plaza. I was burning during the, 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 uh, the Oh five Oh six series against the senators. I was literally at party in the Plaza. We, these big up posters of Danny Healy, Alfredson, and Spezza. We were burning them in the Plaza. We were setting them on a fire, and everybody was losing their minds around us, like straight up, like a fire hazard in the middle of of, of ten thousand people, and everybody could have cared less. It was so electric, so much fun, and like literally, this is the definition of the Cleveland Indians in Major League. That's what we are. That's what we are. We are the, the Cleveland Indians from the first league major league movie. We're the, we're the New York Jets. Yeah. We're the New York Jets, know, which yeah. is the only professional sports franchise that has a longer playoff drought than the Sabres right now. And 
it's likely going to match that at 13. Uh, they just got eliminated. And once we get eliminated, probably in February at this point, it'll, it'll yeah. match that. But the, the same level of frustration that we have for all of these seasons is that same passion that we had when they were good, when those cup runs happened, when they were at their best. Um, it's a, it's passion nonetheless, aside from it being frustration, because everybody actually does care because it's a legitimate hockey city. Most of the fans played hockey or at least knew somebody that played hockey, grew up going to games, know the game really well. It's obviously a very heavily influenced Canadian city. So it's not a facade by any means. Everybody knows hockey, and that's why we are so frustrated. Because as Walt said, I feel like collectively all of us could make better decisions than what has been made in the past 11 years, let alone the past two and a half, or even just this past summer. So, yeah, it's really bad. It's another instance of rock bottom but i'll tell you what i'm gonna be home in a few days and i can't wait to go to those bruins and blue jackets game wait is the blue jackets next saturday too oh yeah let's go baby Woo! <laughs> i'm excited can't wait oh, revenge God. game I, I know it's different for me because i'm not home and i get only get so many opportunities to go to games and it's fun to go with friends and whatnot uh i know it's different actually living in buffalo if i lived in buffalo at this point it would be tough to go to games and i would have been i would have lost my voice booing tonight I, I would have been booing continuously throughout the entire game because that's what they deserve. That's the product they're giving us right now. This is a good comment from Richard Isaacs. Which draw is worse, Bills or Sabres? I see Sabres. I'm going to agree. I'm going to say the Sabres because at least with the Bills, granted it was a much longer drought. And obviously, as we're seeing right now, even though I think when, when the Sabres are good and contending, that that question is up for debate that this is a Bills town, at least right now, um, that – they were all, at least there were seasons where you they always saw them in in the hunt. They're in the hunt, you know. There are a couple of times where it came down to the last two games, but like they cut things interesting. Things have never been interesting up until last season. When, when were when have things been interesting since since, since he bought this team? When, it's just yeah. been nothing but basement dweller after basement dweller, lottery pick, lottery pick. Like I mean, it, the, the, it, I the think beginning it's a very of good argument that the Sabres drought right now is worse than the Bills ever was because at least the Bills gave you seasons where they were in they were truly in the hunt and contended for a playoff spot. Whereas up until this past season, the Sabres haven't even fucking close. Yeah, I mean their curse was was being too good to get into to get into a position to draft a game changing player or a quarterback, but too bad to actually compete for the playoffs. They were in that purgatory situation that I think the the Patriots are probably going to be for the next 10 years, which is sweet justice. But the Sabres, as you said, like have largely been the worst team in the league for, I would say at least six years of the, of the 12 year drought, which is obviously unacceptable. But yeah, I, I would say the pain of just horrible, horrible product has been worse with most of the Sabres drought. Um, at least the bills, like you said, competed. I was at the game against the Steelers in 2004 when they needed to get to 10 and six to make it to the playoffs and fucking was it? Was Willie, Parker, Willie, Willie Parker, Willie Parker oh, had yeah. 190 yards rushing third string running back. Second and third string years all in a week 17 game at home. <laughs> and I was banging my head on the bleachers in front of me as a 12 year old kid. God, that was horrible. But I remember that very, at least, like, at least that felt like a playoff game. Um, we haven't even come close to that. Uh, so far this year, so uh, not, not this year, the past twelve years. I, yeah, uh, I think, no, go ahead, Walt. Yeah, I was gonna say like, I feel like this Sabres draft for like the younger generation was kind of like my Bills draft, like growing up. Like I had no idea what a Bills playoff game was until they made it that Tyrod year. And there's so many like, there's Sabres fans in, that are like probably in college right now that don't even know what a Sabres playoff game is like, and. Yeah. It's awful that like two different generations had to experience like droughts this bad for their two local sports teams. And like, here's the thing: like back when we were growing up and going through those early two thousand years and mid two thousand years, even late two thousands, you know, late nineties, like we knew winning hockey, we knew exciting hockey. You had Hashik, you had Miller, you had LaFontaine, you had McGillney, you had Briere, Drury, Vatic, Roy, Fenneganoff, all of these players, Conley, all of these players that just gave you reasons to be excited every time you sat down for a Sabres game. And 
now you see a lot of hockey fans in Buffalo. They're wearing opposing teams' jerseys. They're out there wearing Ovechkin jerseys. They're out there wearing Crosby jerseys. They're out there wearing, you know, whomever, whoever it is, jerseys. It's because the Sabres have given them zero reason to give a shit about buying their merchandise. Because, and, and, and make no mistake about it, this is a hockey city. The playoff rate, TV ratings show it every single year. We have been in the playoffs in almost, thir- was it 13? Is it 13? Will this be 13? I believe so. <laughs> 14, yeah. Like, it shows it. And yet we haven't been to the playoffs in over a decade. And that's what is, is one of the things that's so irritating about it because we know how special this city can be when this team is good. Like, I just remember those teams just, like, going out every day playing street hockey with your friends. You know, I was out there in my Hashik jersey with a starter jacket underneath the chest protector, baseball glove, Franklin waffle, Milek pads, playing till sundown until my parents were yelling at me to come in. And then after that, just you couldn't turn a corner without seeing a slug. Like you couldn't. Or a goat head. You just couldn't, man. They were everywhere. I remember the Andersons in Chitawaga around the corner of my house. They literally had every single pane glass window painted for a hoo-ha Sabres on a warpath. Like it was so cool, just the atmosphere and the, the vibes. It's just, and nobody gets to experience that. One of my best friends, his younger brother, who plays my men's league team, I coached him at Depew. Like his favorite player is McDavid, and he's an Oilers fan. How often, when we were growing up, do you remember your friends being team like fans of like the Oilers or the Dallas Stars or the Arizona Coyotes? Nobody gave a shit about other teams because it's the Sabers were excited, even if they were a, losing, they were still exciting. I was an Avalanche fan for a little bit, mostly just because of Patrick Waugh. And those teams, Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick. But those are all the outliers. Yeah. Those were excited. That rivalry was exciting yeah. between them those and Detroit. Were two of the best years of my hockey fanship in my life, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah I just – I just, it sucks to, to your point, Walt. It sucks that these fans will never know. Or don't – should say never. At this point, it might be never. But just don't <laughs> know what it's like. Oh, I got to tap out soon. This, no, this no, great. it's fine. It's fine. We're, at, we're about to hit an hour. Uh, any final thought from you guys? I'm like I said, guys, there's there's about over 250 comments right now in the peanut gallery. I told you I'm not going to get to them all, but uh, I'm trying my best for the last couple minutes here. Uh, we'll start with final thoughts. We'll start with you, Walt. I'm just going to say, like, I just don't know where this team is going, like what the future will look like. And I honestly forgot what playoff hockey in Buffalo feels like, and it's kind of sad that we've gone into this point and it looked like there was light at the end of the tunnel heading into the season but now it's kind of just feels like those Eichel Reinhardt years where it seems like you know you have some talent but you're just kind of stuck in the mud for the entire season and for seasons to come and I just hope someday they was finally make the breakthrough and make it to the playoffs but at this point it's just like I don't even know where they even go from here uh We've got the the Leafs, the Rangers, and the Bruins. The next three games, yeah, yep. sounds, <laughs> sounds like three and zero to me. The way, that, <laughs> the way this team has played this year, so I'm gonna hold on to that uh, while simultaneously holding on to the hope that I wake up tomorrow morning and we see that uh, Doc Granado's been fired. I uh, I think it's necessary at this point. You get you get you have a, you have a day tomorrow to bring Seth Happard from Rochester as a stopgap. And then maybe you can hire Bruce Boudreau or Gerard Gallant or someone or Craig Berube or someone else to come in and give this team the kick in the ass they need. They're obviously mentally unstable, as mentally unstable as all of us are watching this team, because they can beat the best teams in the league and then lose to the worst and get blown out of their own building on a Tuesday night, nine to four. So it's maddening. It's horrible. We're all frustrated. This is this is. The weirdest saber season I've ever been a part of, and that's really saying something, given that we had games that we were actively rooting for the other team to win back in 2015. So the fact that we've reached rock bottom again, probably for the seventh time in the past 12, 12 years, uh, it really says something, and uh, something's got to change. So we'll see what happens, obviously, but uh, yeah, this is a this is a tough pill to swallow. Here's a here's a comment. I'm 15 years old and I've never got to see this team ever win or go on a deep playoff run. I want to see this team just simply be in the playoffs so bad. I mean, just piggybacking off what we just said. Hurts my heart. Yeah. 
Bill's drought was easier. Bill's drought was easier to take because of 16 games and the inevitability of Brady. 13 years of 82 games is Chinese water torture out of or a thousand paper cuts. <laughs> well said, Gar. Hey, hey, is that is that really Gerard Gallant in the comments? I would be. What is is that his burner? What do, what do we think? <laughs> I think so. Hey, Gerard, come. We, we got we got a parking spot for you behind the arena. Dude, I'll drive <laughs> him to every game. I will literally drive Gerard Gallant to every single hockey game. <laughs> what we've been going for an hour, man, and there's still over 60 people watching us right now. It's uh, wild. Well, if you want to keep going, more. Power no, I'm done. I, I, I'm done. Uh, we get taken for granted. They don't have to change or try because most of the time there are still fans. Even a Montreal, even a empty at their most their worst, even at their worst. Okay, they still have more bodies than Arizona, Florida, Carolina when they were bad. It's true. It's true, um, and it sucks. Someone made a comment earlier, like, is it possible that you just get fans together to just not be in the stands at puck drop? You go to the game, but at puck drop, just nobody's there. It's just to give it the visual at puck drop where there is like uh, 200 fans in the Carolina, Carolina Panthers fans did that um, this past week. And it, as depressing as it is, like that was something that made waves that, that went viral. So yeah, as, as, as horrible as it is, like, yeah, like we as fans can only do so much. Right. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be home next week and I'm only home twice a year. So I'm going to go to both games. But I very much understand it from a perspective of somebody who lives in Buffalo. Uh, it's not worth the money right now. Yeah. But with that being said, uh, this has been I'll Hang Up and Listen, brought to you by Fatty Beer Company, Buffalo's premier market and tap room. Over 300 beers to choose from at seven different Western New York locations. Open seven days a week from 11.30 a.m. till 10.30 and later with live entertainment and trivia at all seven locations both kid and dog friendly, get over to Fatty Beer at Fatty Beer on Instagram and Twitter, fattybeercompany.com. And of course, Buffalo Go Apparel, uh, one of the best spots to get all of your Buffalo sports apparel needs, whether it's the Sabres, LOL, the Bills, the Bisons, the Bandits, or even local businesses. They do they support a lot of local business. Make sure you check them out at Buffalo Go Co. on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, thank you all for your support. Uh, with that being said, Walt, um, thanks for hopping out with us. You can find Walt at Sabermetrics on Twitter, uh, with the charging at the charging Buffalo. Uh, you can find Connor Hurley at C Hurls. Is it C Hurls 13? Yeah, that's it. And, and, uh, <laughs> on, uh, on Twitter. And of course, you know, where you can find me at Dwayne S 39 on Twitter, Instagram, or at two goalies, one Mike. Just remember this has been, I'll hang up and listen. We will, uh, Talk to you on Thursday night. And remember, as always, go Bills. Go Sabres. <laughs> go Bills.
everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Friday, September 23rd. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.